Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Avershawn Podcast. Uh, and as I'm sure everyone has heard ad nauseum at this point, uh, we might as well just get right into it. Uh, Chris, there's no point in beating around the bush. Uh, the Mar Hamlin stuff that happened in Cincinnati, um, kind of a bummer way to start a podcast, but you kind of got to talk about it because it, it is not just the topic of the football world, it's just the topic um, so we're going to do our best to to get into this, talk about it, uh, kind of explain our thought processes behind all of it. Um, there's going to be no like clean way to transition out of it, so we'll we'll do our best to you know kind of awkwardly slide into other topics and then uh, try to give everybody a, a regular show after that as much as we can. Um, so Chris, you know I I wasn't watching the game live. Um, were you when it when it happened? I was actually, and it was weird because I was uh, playing NHL with some buddies and I had the game on and we were the, the three of us are playing and I'm like, wow, someone on the Bills must have gotten hurt. And so all the, all the, you know, players kind of taking a knee around. And I'm like, ah, oh, I see, uh, you know, the coaches walk out and I'm like, man, they cut the commercial and they come back and they're still all down and they cut the commercial again and then they come back and there's an ambulance on the field. And then the three of us were like, you know, we should probably let's stop and see what this is about. We didn't know who was hurt and whatnot. And um, just kind of in shock after that, honestly, the, the three of us were, were just kind of sat there in silence as we uh, we were watching. And uh, yeah, just a tough pill to swallow on a fairly routine tackle. And just, uh, you know, I guess first and foremost, uh, I haven't checked in the past, say, three hours, but all indications are that things are slowly on the upswing. Um, I haven't, like I said, I haven't checked in the past few hours, but um, he's only on 50% oxygen now, which is a big improvement. Um, Major improvement. And his vitals are ba apparently back to normal. And actually they were back to normal the night of, um, I believe he's still in like some type of a coma or like sleeping state. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we all have a different thought process around this, but, you know, uh, I, I grew up playing, well, a, a bunch, you know, all the typical soccer, baseball, but playing uh, the two sports that I, I kind of wrap my head around and, and where my primary focus were, were hockey and rugby and uh, you know, both fairly physical sports. And I just can't even imagine this happening and it could have happened to anybody. Um, obviously super glad that, that the NFL has the protocol in place to be ready for something like this to happen. Um, but it's just, it puts the reality into, and it reminds us, I guess, of the reality that, that these guys ultimately are humans and, um, you know, they're not just, you know, computer players, it's not an NFL blitz um where you can just like throw guys around and even though there is an element of that in the nfl um you know you don't want to see this happen to anybody regardless of whether they're a pro or you know an eight-year-old kid playing on a saturday afternoon so um glad things are on the upswing um and, and i guess you know hoping for the best and uh hope to never see it again um pretty wild that to have a, a game i guess suspended postponed whatever you want to call it in the middle of the the first quarter um you know in the past three years we've had we've seen wednesday games we've seen games post pushed back weeks because of covid and now this it's just like man we're getting hit with the gauntlet stuff that our parents generation you know granted and knock on wood they're still around but um, they haven't necessarily had to, to experience that, and we're not even thirty yet. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I would love to know your thoughts, though. Uh, so it, it it was odd and kind of I'd say in a way a, a little bit more surreal because I was getting my updates uh, through through Twitter. Uh, yeah, I, I had no idea initially what had happened uh, when I heard you know guys down the field. Uh, he's not moving. You know. Your, your mind initially goes to not initially immediately goes to um you know like a, a head or a spinal injury uh because when you think football if you think you know a guy's not moving um 
God, who was the kid from Pittsburgh a few years ago? Ryan Shazier. And you, you think something like that, uh, which, you know, Shazier, for all intents and purposes, he he's still, you know, working his way back from everything and, and trying to rehab and trying to see if he can walk again, last I heard. Um, but, you know, at the same time, there there was concerns about his ability to move and be paralyzed. There, there didn't seem to be any concerns about his life. Uh, I don't want to trivialize what he's gone through, but, you know, when, when you think about that process, you know, your heart immediately sinks and you think about, you know, okay, is he going through something similar to, to what that is? Because there's, there, there's that inherent risk with playing football, uh, with playing any contact sport for that matter. Uh, even with soccer, you know, I think people don't give a sport like that enough credit or I don't want to say credit, but just, enough due thought about how easy it is to have a head or neck injury in those games. Uh, you know, especially just heading the ball, jumping up where you could catch a stray elbow, something like that. Um, but getting back to this, it was just, you, know, you think that's what's going on. And then all of a sudden, you know, you hear stuff like, you know, okay, the ambulance is being brought out. That's never a good sign. Um, I wasn't sure what to think of it because, and I, We'll give the internet and the, the, the Twitter world a small dose of credit here. Um, I follow a lot of sports people, a lot of sports topics on Twitter, and I didn't see any retweets of the hit that happened. Uh, I didn't see any retweets of, you know, like I saw some pictures of like the guys who were standing around and, you know, like Josh Allen with the thousand yard stare. Uh, and, and things of that nature. But unlike, you know, injuries in the past, you know, I think to the Kevin Ware injury, um, I, di I didn't see the video. So again, this whole time I'm, I'm sitting here with only, you know, written context. I, I don't have a visual of what had happened. So again, you know, you, you think, okay, this, this is obviously bad. There's an ambulance. Um, and again, you, your mind jumps to the extreme, but the Ryan Shazier level extreme. It doesn't jump to death potentially. Well, then you hear that they had to bring out an AED and they were doing CPR. And then my mind immediately jumps to something else uh, that's actually very local to us. Uh, it's you know, from a few years ago, actually, uh, there was a player at Loyola Blakefield, which for those who are unaware is a private high school uh, in the Baltimore region where a uh, young kid who was playing for them took a shot off the chest. Uh, he was wearing his chest protector and just the ball happened to strike him at that exact 10th, 100th, whatever of a second it is where, you know, if, if something strikes your heart area in that moment, it can cause, uh, I think it's called like myocarditis tachycardia or something like that. I don't, I don't know the exact medical term, uh, but it, it hit him at that just exact freakish moment where the people there, the training staff, uh, medical staff coaches needed to use an AED. And the, the positive that came out of it is they were able to save the kid's life. Uh, so I think as a, almost like a protection mode or defensive, you know, procedure, whatever you want to call it uh, with how your brain does things, my mind immediately jumped to, okay, well, if that's a high school game, you know, then they're able to save that kid's life because they knew what was going on. You have to imagine that professional teams have like the best of the absolute best there because they have the money for, you know, those sort of services. And the people who are the best in the world are going to be the ones who get paid the most. So you'd imagine professional teams have the best medical staff. And it seems like to their credit that they did everything right. Like there wasn't a single misstep along the way, which is it takes you away for a moment away from the moment of, you know, holy crap for a moment. And then it makes you think for a second, holy crap in a different context. These people were so perfect at their jobs that they may have just saved a young man's life. And there, there wasn't, it didn't, it seemed like by all reports I'm hearing from other people, there was 
uh, you know, one woman in particular who was really on it in terms of knowing that it was time to get the AED. It was time to, you know, get someone to call the ambulance, um, basically directing traffic. Uh, from what I heard, she was even directing players to like stand around in a circle. I'm assuming with their backs turned uh, to what was going on inside the circle. So that way uh, Hamlin could in that moment have the dignity of privacy of what was going on in there. Uh, so it's, it, there was a, you know, a, a large looming feeling of doom and gloom. But in that moment, if you almost want to call it like the eye of the hurricane, there was like a moment where, you know, you think to yourself of like, holy shit, these people are so good at their jobs that in this absolute freakish incident, they were able to do everything essentially perfectly. And, you know, we talk all the time in sports that there is no such thing as perfect. It's always, you know, like, the pursuit of perfection and it's just not capable of, of being done it's always a pursuit it's, it's never a destination well these people from all that i can understand they reach perfection because from all accounts it sounded like hamlin legitimately may have been dead on the field and i don't think that there's a way that you could bring somebody back from that unless you're literally firing on all cylinders so it, it, it almost brings a level of appreciation for the situation um, that they were able to execute so well. Uh, you know, obviously you, you never want to see that situation happen, but it's just incredible when you can kind of disassociate from that for a quick second and compartmentalize things to only focus on, you know, the, the amazing ability of what the medical professionals were doing. Um, outside of that, There was a part of me where I do have to take the credit back that I was giving the Twitter world where it's one or two people that you see in, on Twitter. It's obviously more than that, but like the percentage wise is only like one or two. But there's always going to be that just disgusting scumbag side of humanity where when everyone's, you know, throwing out a bunch of conjecture about what's going to happen, there's always going to be those people who not only think that they're going to continue to play the game, it's the people who have already justified it in their minds that it makes perfect sense to continue the game. And I saw somebody posting something about, you know, well, there, there's, you know, money to be made and bets to be won and lost. And it's like, dude, who the fuck cares? Like, no, I, I, if I were the owner of a sports book at that moment, it's, you know, I, I don't care about my quote unquote fiduciary responsibility to the company and to shareholders. No, like, this is way too freaky of a situation. I just immediately, the word goes down, cancel all bets. That's not what's important right now. What's important is, is a young man's life. Um, and then there were, you know, were all reports about, you know, people saying that the players were told they have like five minutes to warm up and, and get back to it. And part of me wants to be disgusted at the NFL that that's the route that, that things were going. But then the other part of me is like, wait a minute people were probably just flying on autopilot at that point. You know, that who really is, is thinking, you know, this is such an unprecedented situation. You know, we're going to, people aren't going to think clearly. They're just going to go based on muscle memory. And there's probably people at the game who, based on past incidences that have happened before, because there have been gruesome injuries that have happened before and people have played on. So there are probably some people who are like, this is what the norm is. So this is what we're going to do. And they just, they didn't know any better because that's, that that's the system of the NFL is just keep it moving. So I don't know. It, it's in the end. Um, I think I'm a little bit more relieved. I think it's a little bit easier to talk about uh, a couple of days after, because we're obviously recording this uh, Wednesday night. Uh, where you can get some positive feedback. You know, if I was recording it in the moment, I don't really know what I would say about it other than just, you know, the obvious is everybody hopes that this kid's okay. Um, but there are some people out there who are so callous that like, you know, people will talk about it and like you already hear people being like, oh my God, like I don't want to hear about this anymore. Like nobody cares. Like, I actually saw somebody who was saying, you know, Hamlin wouldn't care about us if we were put in a hospital and, 
or like died and like almost came back. So like, why should we care about him? And it's like, dude, like why does your brain go there? It doesn't matter whether there's any validity to that statement at all or not. It's, it's not even worth contemplating. It's just, why did, why did your mind go there and who hurt you? Like that, that's really all it boils down to. So I can talk about, you know, the people online who, uh, like the, the big name people, some of which are super obvious out there who, you know, threw out some, some tough statements. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But they've already gotten taken to the woodshed online. What am I going to do that's really going to be worth it outside of what people have already, you know, said, done, responded with, et cetera. It's, it's almost just not worth giving it the, the air that it doesn't need at this point. Um, as far as the rest of the league goes, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do. I don't care about the scheduling. Uh, I, honestly, I could care less about the games this weekend. I could care less about recapping the professional football games uh, that happened this past weekend because it just it feels like when it comes to the NFL, like this is the topic until you know there's full signs that like the the kid can make his a good recovery. Um, you know, that the only other topic that I would throw in there is really just a subtopic, which is again, going back to some people do restore your faith in humanity. I'm sure you've seen this, the, uh, the link to his, uh, fundraiser Hamlin's fundraiser, uh, for, you know, toys in the, the children's area of Pittsburgh. I mean, from what I heard, like they were averaging a donation, like every three tenths of a second, which is just, you know, it's one of those okay, you know, there are some people in this world who, who suck, but at the same time, there's a large, overwhelming majority of good in this world that, you know, I th his original goal was somewhere in the thousands. And the last update that I had, I think it was like yesterday, like early afternoon, late morning, was they were already at like 5 million. And, you know, you see people like, you throw out Andy Dalton, who... Obviously, you know, every player in the football community is going to be, you know, shocked and hurt and feel a certain type of way. But, you know, you know about his own connections uh, to the Buffalo community because of a funny situation where he beat a, a team. I think it, I hate to do this to you, but I think it might have been the Ravens. Uh, it was the Ravens. Where, you know, he beat the Ravens and, and that allowed Buffalo to get into the playoffs. And the people of Buffalo flooded his donation or his uh, foundation with a bunch of donations. Uh, and you see him put in a, a sizable contribution of his own of just like, you know, obviously that situation was, I think, meant as like, you know, a kind of funny, happy-go-lucky sort of joyous moment between a fan base and a player who in all other situations they're rooting against. Um, and just kind of like to show that like the respect that, that built between him and that community, even though he's probably only ever spent time in Buffalo for away games. So that that's kind of where I'd, I'd end that with is just, you know, knowing that the community has been rallying behind a kid who, whom many people will never meet in person and never get to know. And all they'll really know is just like the reports that come out online. And, you know, the, the I think the hardest part about it is knowing that, by all reports, like this couldn't have happened to a better kid. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, and this has been another tweet that's been cycling around, but, uh, you know, thinking of Hamlin's face when he wakes up um, and recognizes the donations, right. Where I think that's a, <clears throat> you know, kid on Christmas day type of, type of vibe and um if not even more ecstatic and i just i hope that we get to the point where we get to see that in some capacity um not literally because i don't want a camera shoved in his face but um i'm gonna paraphrase paraphrase this quote from his uncle because i i'm not gonna you know just all of a sudden go looking up in the middle of this um but his uncle i believe was quoted in the news of, as saying you know there are a few people in this world who ever get to see how much they're truly loved while they're alive. 
because usually the uh, outpouring of, of love and you know, everything like that comes after they've passed, uh, especially, you know, in extraneous circumstances such as this one. I think everyone wants to assume that, you know, Hamlin's going to wake up from this and his life will obviously never be the same, but hopefully in the end, because of all the love that he's been shown and everything, his life is never the same for, for nothing but positive reasons. Um, because, you know, he, he has the chance, assuming that everything breaks his way and, you know, everything knows, I hope it does. He's going to get to wake up and, and see all the love that, people have thrown out for a, a kid from Pennsylvania who how many people out, outside the Buffalo area or, you know, who watched him play at Pitt, how many of us knew who he was? And and this just happens and, you know, he's going to wake up and feel that. And you know, it's, it, it's kind of heartwarming in a way, despite all of the shittiness that happens to get to that point. But Again, this this comes with the assumption that he's going to be okay. Yeah, I think that we're all still kind of holding collective breath and, uh, you know, crossing our fingers. And, uh, you know, hopefully this time next week we'll at least have a little bit more news. I mean, I think it's safe to say that they are doing a very nice job of keeping his privacy and respecting it um, besides what has been publicly announced. Um, obviously, uh, you got – the trolls that come out and uh, I've seen a few that have tried to, to spark, you know, a tweet or something to, to, to get likes. Cause unfortunately they will always be there <laughs> um, regardless of the topic. Um, but from all indication, things are slowly, but surely coming back. I doubt he ever plays football again, but I hope that he's back. It gets to a point where he's able to live a normal life in some capacity. And um yeah, I hope that he gets uh, wakes up and, and gets to see everything, like you said, and kind of gets to realize, or get, he gets to see what what none of us really do, right? Yeah. So, um, one other quick footnote, I guess this is a, a secondary subtopic that we should have added to it, though, is just, and we'll touch on it briefly. If you're T. Higgins, the who was the player that he hit. I can't imagine the thought processes of what he went through of like, you know, contemplating was I in a weird position or did I do something to cause that? Because, you know, it's, it, it's just a basic human instinct to, you know, be concerned for somebody that obviously in this case, unintentionally, but you were uh, involved in a situation that indirectly led to somebody else's harm. I'm trying to find, you know, the, the, most correct way to put that so it doesn't sound like you know any of it's being put on hit on higgins because obviously it's not but you know it's i can't imagine what he's gone through either um that and that's something that's worth remembering yeah totally i mean like i said i think i said if i didn't i should have um you know that was a routine football play yeah so there's no one at fault um just really unfortunate circumstances. Timing is everything. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, it hit that time. So yeah. fingers crossed. And uh, hopefully we'll have some better some better news on that next week. Right. Um, and as I mentioned at the top, there's, there's no clean way to move on to another topic. Um, so at this point, this is going to be me just kind of verbally walking through a very awkward transition. Uh, into more regular topics. Um, because... I'll use a pun to, to segue. Instead of walking, why don't you skip out of here? I will not give that man any more publicity <laughs> than he's already getting. One, because right. it'll, like I, he's never going to hear it from me. But two, why? Um, yeah, let's, let's just move on. Um, because like it or not agree with it or not um you know think the sport should be banned from existence or not whatever there is football that's still going to be played uh and we all understand that there's inherent risk that comes with it uh we all understand that every time we watch it in a way we're feeding a very dangerous system very dangerous game uh but that is 
part of what makes us enjoy it is the the violence and the the contact of the sport that you know that kind of feeds us a a certain level of cathartic feelings when we watch this uh so we're we're still going to watch these games and we did watch the games leading up to it so there are things that are worth talking about and well we're going to move into we're, we're going to stay off nfl we're just going to move to the college level um but this upcoming weekend i think they're playing on sunday uh we have the fcs championship uh which is between south dakota state and north dakota state uh, and I gotta admit, uh, the first thing I'm gonna bring up about this is I am unhappy that this game is being played this weekend because in years past, I think they played it like the day after New Year's. And having this extra week off from it, not not a fan. It feels weird. I mean, I'll be honest, this past Monday felt weird um, uh, as a as a whole. I mean, obviously, I'll take the extra day off, but like, it was weird because Sunday you didn't have the Rose Bowl, even though it was the first, right? Um, also, the Winter Classic typically pay, played on New Year's Day. All of that was pushed to Monday, which was the second. Um, that And then because of that, I, I guess they didn't want to put it on Monday, which makes sense because they got all the other bowl games. Um, so in a way, they're trying to throw the FCS a bone by giving you know them their own TV slot, basically. But are they really throwing them a bone, though? Because they're burying this right in the last weekend of the NFL's regular season. Yeah, I think uh, I'm. Yeah, true. And keep in mind, we're talking about this in the context of you could never know the circumstances that came up leading into this. So, like, aren't they? We're, hold we're, on, when are they playing? They are playing. They'll probably kick off at like noon or one o'clock since it's in Texas. January 8th at 1 p.m. When is that? Sunday. Wow. And it's a Sunday game too. Oof. Yeah. Why? Uh, and, Why? And, and that's the thing. Like I, I used to like it because I'm pretty sure it was usually, it was either played on a, a Sunday uh, that was like meaningless when it came to NFL stuff or, you know, not as meaningful as the last weekend of the regular season. Uh, or I think it may have been played on like a, a random just like day of the week like a, a monday afternoon um because I, I remember when i was watching the the time the towson made it to the championship game i mean i can't remember what day of the week it was but i was sitting at home recovering from jaw surgery on january 2nd uh just watching the game and it was you know middle of the afternoon so i i don't know why they decided to change that and i think it's doing a massive disservice to south dakota and north dakota state um i, I think especially with the fact that this game is, I think, as close as we'll get to a blood feud uh, when it comes to FCS football. Uh, I haven't been, I haven't even sniffed being anywhere near the Dakotas. I've maybe flown over them once before. Um, but everything that you read is, you know, outside of like hockey and like other like road, like rodeo and like outdoorsy type sports, like this is it. This matters to the people of the Dakotas. And it is a little bit awkward that you're taking North and South Dakota and making them both ship down to Texas to play this game. But you can't really do anything about that. You can't do anything about that. And, you know, from all accounts and from our own personal, uh, you know, experience watching that Towson final a few years ago, um, the, the Dakotas, it's like a straight shot down whatever highway. They all flock to, fr uh, to Frisco this time. Oh, of the year I mean, anyway. it, it's going to be absolutely jumping there this yeah, weekend. Oh. Well, and I haven't done enough research on it, um, but I wonder, it, this doesn't have a rivalry name, does it? It might. Uh, I don't know if they've named it. I don't know if FCS games are deserving of a bougie rivalry name. Hey, now, we got the Battle of Baltimore. <laughs> everything's got everything's got to be the battle of everything like <laughs> come up with something better that's um, that's that's a tirade for another day so i you know i i mentioned this and i guess i'll give a shout out here there's a great F um article on the scs game um in the athletic this week and really focuses on south dakota state's quarterback um who i'm going to be honest you know um really did not see much of this year 
Um, but long story short, uh, d- dives into what the past, I guess, three seasons for him have looked like. Um, he's a sophomore, uh, but his pure freshman season was the COVID year. So he ended up playing a full spring season, um, led them to the finals um, against San Houston. They ultimately ended up losing by two points, but he got hurt in the first play. And from all accounts, he was like a basically uh, a running back that would take snaps. It was like a some type of flex wishbone offense. And he's developed into like a legit dual threat guy. Um, and it, I mean, it makes me think of Trey Lance, you know, at uh, North Dakota State. Um, and I mean, this sh- from all accounts, this should be a bloodbath, right? Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, there's really not, both teams seem extremely balanced um, within themselves. Obviously both are run heavy, but they both have a, a fairly comparable stats across the board. Um, it is no uh, important to note that North Dakota state has lost the last three games to South Dakota state. So so by all accounts, does that mean that you're taking the Jackrabbits to win the title? I can't. I, yeah, I. Th- I uh, make your predict. Make your prediction now, Chris. Make right, it and I'm, stick I'm, to it. I'm. I'm being bold. You know, obviously, it's hard to go against the experience that North Dakota State has in these types of games, but I, I think I'm going to go South Dakota State. Fair enough. Um. So, quick little programming note. Uh, we're going to have to reset here in a few minutes. Thanks, Zoom. Um, but bear with us as that happens. Uh, but in the meantime, I kind of don't like the fact that you're taking them because uh, I am nervous about this in a certain way. Normally, I wouldn't. Normally, I would be all up on the South Dakota State bandwagon because North Dakota State has won a ton. Uh, they've been there a bunch before. You know, it, it'd be nice to see a fresh face. But then comes in that lovely monkey wrench called sports gambling. And Chris, at the start of the playoffs, North Dakota Ooh. State was the three seed. And I took a look at the odds to win the title. And I saw North Dakota State sitting at plus 700. And I looked at them and I said, when am I ever going to see this team at that number ever again? Obviously, the, obviously, for all we know, the, the program could like fall off, you know, the the face of the planet and just become total dog water. But you don't bet against Alabama, or in this case, the Alabama of FCS, until you see it happen. You know, this year they didn't make the playoff. I would have bet good money, especially with you know big names like Bryce Young there, that they would have been in the playoff this year. I mean, they still almost snuck in at the end of the season. So it's it was hard to look at that number and go, you know, I don't know if there will ever be a situation again where I see this team at this number. I got to put, you know, I got to put a few bucks down on it. So now I have financial motivation to go against my norm, which is rooting for the new guy. And I'm going to be rooting for the old guard on Sunday because that's going to be a nice little chunk of change that comes into my pocket if they win this. Yeah, I actually I totally forgot about that. You did you did tell me that. So, I guess in that sense, I hope that happens, but at the same time I wouldn't be upset if South Dakota State won. Um, and, and you know, I, I guess that's the um I guess that's kind of the the win-win situation for me is is I only put like a standard unit onto the bet. So, it's not like I went anything totally outlandish. It's not like I was like Oh, let me put like, you know, five or 10 units on this because it's North Dakota State and I'm going to, you know, buy all in. No, I just, I just wouldn't mind, you know, a nice little chunk of change coming my way because plus 700 is going to get you a good return no matter how much you're putting in there. I mean, you Truth. make a, you make a dollar bet, you come back with seven. So that, that's a, it's a pretty good return. Um, I, I bet more than a dollar, but still, uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to be tough if they lose because I'm going to have one of the money. But if they lose and South Dakota State takes it home, I'm going to sit there and I'm like, well, you know, hey, get to see some some new guys on the block in a way come through and and take the title. So I'm happy for them. Uh, so I, I don't think there's a way for me to lose. 
there's just a way I'd rather win. And that's the one that makes me money. There's a way that you can financially win and lose. I guess if I use the word emotionally, win or lose, right? I guess you would be more bummed if I, I never mind. <laughs> you're, you're trying to justify this. And I'm sitting here going, yeah, again, I, I don't really think there's a way that I lose in this situation because, you know, it'd be the same as if like I got Alabama plus 700. You know, I'd, I'd love to see a new guard come in and take over from Alabama. Um, even if Georgia runs it back this year, they're, they're still newer, even though they're both the SEC, it's still somebody other than Alabama. So I wouldn't necessarily be upset if the used car salesman that is Stetson Bennett wins the second title. Um, we'll get to them in a few, but it's, it's hard for me to take a look at North Dakota state and know what they are, which is old school. We talked about it ad nauseum last year monsters of young men on the field. Like they dwarfed Towson when we saw them in person. I'm still just stunned at the, the image that I was seeing on the field in person. It's hard to think that they'll lose twice in the same year. So I was going to say it may have won the last three, but twice in the same year, and you're talking about championship expectations – and despite the fact that, you know, I don't enjoy the extra week, it is an extra week of preparation for the teams. It's an extra week of preparation for the team that has been there and done this time and time again. How often do we see in any level of sports, it's hard to beat the same team twice. You add the expectations on top of it. You add the fact that North Coast State has all of the experience in this arena and South Coast State has none. That's part of the reason why I put the bet down was I was like, I could just easily see this being, you know, a, you talk about the quarterback being on a revenge tour. It, it, this is a revenge game for North Dakota State. And what sweeter way to get your revenge than to win in the championship? Yeah. And, you know, I, I have to say that, and, and this was obviously going back almost 10 years because, you know, we're old now. But when Towson played North Dakota State in Frisco, that field was horrible. Like literally like the, the turf, the sod was just peeling up. So, um, you know, in that sense, maybe North Dakota State does have a little bit of an edge there. They know what to expect with footing and whatnot. But, um, you know, it would be very cool to have South Dakota State win. But I digress. I hope that financially you win some money. But I, I wish were, there, there could be a happy medium that you could maybe you bet on the, the spread. But you were smart and you put money on. North Dakota State at 700. That's sick. I sports books don't often show FCS odds. And when I saw it, I said, I got to give this a look and I got to see what's there. Especially when I saw that the number two team was Sacramento State because I, I did not watch their game against Incarnate Word. It was an absolute shootout, but they lost to Incarnate Word, uh, which I predicted because two years in a row, Sacramento State has proven to me that they are the fraudulent team of FCS. That's not saying that they're not a good team. It's just saying that their record kind of overstated just how good they were. I mean, this year they got the two seed, and I don't even think they made it to the quarters. They maybe made it to the quarterfinals by way of a bye week, but they played like one game and lost and got booted from the tournament. So you see that and we're like, okay, cool. So in this case, North Coast State's just the de facto two seed. Cool. And they get plus 700. Can't say no to that. Truth. So in that instance, we have less than a minute to go here on this round of Zoom calls. So we're going to back out of this, go set up a new call, be back in a moment. Thank you again all for bearing with us while we do this. There won't be much of a transition in the podcast while we do it. It's just going to be something where we say, hey, we're back. Um, so that way, you know, you guys know that we're starting over. See you in a second. And we're back. Yay. The, yes, the, the, the split second that you guys will have, because I'm going to try to edit this. So it's pretty seamless. Um, yay. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> so, so. This call is zooming by, Sean. You know, I, at this point, I really should just pay for premium, but I've got other things I want to take care of. And I don't feel like paying the 15 bucks a month for it. Yay. Yeah. Adulting. Yeah. Um, so on that note, let's just, get right into FBS football um, because 
I, I have a take. I don't really think it's that bold of a take. Um, but I think that because of what happened with the New Year's Eve games, when it comes to the college football playoff, this is without a doubt in my mind, regardless of what happens in the championship game, the best FBS playoff that there has ever been, no matter what. Because my word were those games just football fodder. Uh, the, the TCU-Michigan game looked like it was going to be kind of eh to start, but that third quarter was off the rails. Uh, the, the whole time we're watching it, uh, where I'm you know, with my soon-to-be in-laws and everything, we're thinking that at some point there's, there's no way that TCU is going to hold on to this because nobody really gave them a shot coming in. There's no way that Michigan can continue to be this absolutely brain-dead but everything that you thought wouldn't happen did and everything you thought was going to happen also happened except for Michigan pulling off the comeback. So I, I know I was watching it and I was enjoying a few brews while watching it, which made me enjoy it that much more. Uh, But what were your thoughts on the game? Pretty crazy. And uh, you know, I'm going to be honest there. Not saying that, well, I guess you could say one of the calls possibly flipped the game. Um, There's that early no touchdown call, and then Michigan ended up fumbling the next play, a little wonky. And then, uh, which I, the, other than the refs in the stadium, I don't think that anybody would, unless you talk to a TCU fan, I don't think that anybody would dispute that was a touchdown. That was a touchdown, and then also, not that this one would have made that much of a difference, but. How was that not targeting on that last, I guess, was that, that was the fourth down play? Yeah, my guess is that there may have been somebody in that huddle or somebody <laughs> radioed down that said, we're not going to call a national semifinal game on a targeting penalty. That would have made things fun, though. <laughs> I Yeah, but I, I think there was already enough controversy that, True. you know, I, I think that a lot of people kind of wanted a reason to jump down the NCAA's throats about this. I still think they have a lot of reasons to jump down the NCAA's throats because, seriously, that was a touchdown. And, my God, did that fuck over Michigan. Um, but, at the same time, Michigan screwed themselves because I, I'm sitting there with uh, my fiance's brother and we're watching it. And we're both watching them on the – first drive of the game two yards out of the end zone you get like an easy 60 yard run to start things or 50 60 yard run to start things off and then they just outthink the room and try to run a philly special in the first drive of the game and he and i had both put money on the over we put it down a couple different ways so we, we were financially invested and we're both sitting there going Oh, this is how this is going to go. We are screwed. Um, so, and then we're, we're watching them play like just absolute dog water. And thankfully, TCU showed up. I mean, the, the moment very easily could have been too big for them, especially after the crushing Big 12 title game loss that they had. But they showed up and they just, they, they did the damn thing. They took some lumps along the way, which I know sounds like very generic descriptions, but how else can you describe what they did? Because nothing about what they did was like uber flashy. It was just well-executed, good football. And it looks flashy because when football is well-executed, even the basic stuff looks awesome. So yeah, I, I just, I, that game was so much fun. It was drunk as hell and I loved it. <laughs> it was, I'm not going to lie. Um, Michigan did not play the game. Oh no, they played did not play their game. Did not play their game, right? Um, and I, you know, I think we saw some warning shots of this earlier in the year when they almost lost to Maryland, <laughs> and almost lost to Illinois, and almost lost to Illinois. That's right. Um, but Illinois lost their bowl game. UMD was swimming in mayo. <laughs> okay, so first of all, as a quick aside, I was one of those people who was on the right side of a pitchy pitchy woo woo uh, Mississippi State minus three and a half. I was set up to lose that, and I was sitting there. I was crushed, and then I look back, and all of a sudden, see the final score is nineteen to ten. And I just went, "Mike Leach, may you rest in peace forever, my savior." 
Yeah, actually, and so this is what I was going to bring up next. Perfect segue. First off, I don't think we ever said rest in peace to Mike Leach because we took the week off, but obviously, um, his his you know passing cannot be overlooked. Um, but interestingly enough, so obviously Sonny Dykes and TCU go into the finals. He runs basically an air raid offense with TCU, right? I think that's safe to say. It's not the exact air raid. Air raid light. It's yeah. And, um, you know, Dykes coached alongside Mike Leach um, at Texas Tech, I believe. And then Mm definitely, I think there was a spot, a place earlier too, maybe Kentucky. Um, when he was there, sounds right. Um, but so, with you know, just reading over things leading up to the, the the championship game, this is the first time that an quote unquote air raid offense has actually made it to the finals. Suck it, Lincoln Riley. Yeah, well, yeah. So there's that, and then <laughs> the the big thing where 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 we can definitely say suck at Lincoln Riley is because I mean, there's no doubt he's an offensive mastermind. But this is the first time that an air raid offense has ever been paired with a top thirty defense ever. Yeah, all of Mike Leach's teams, all of the you know the variations of Mike Leach, and you know which has obviously been so many teams run air raid now um but i would really say that only leech's team runs the pure air raid i mean Um, he was essentially the originator right but so many people have copied him um so i think it would be pretty sick and don't i I don't necessarily think that tcu is going to win because we haven't even talked about the other game yet but it would be pretty sick if he ended up, Sonny Dykes and TCU did end up winning with the air raid, you know, just a few weeks after Mike Leach passing, you know that there would be some type of tribute uh, in the post game. He hit Mike Leach's name would one hundred percent be brought up. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, um, so with that in mind, you you asked me in our little pre-show meeting if I thought that there was any chance that TCU has to win, and. Boy, oh boy, is this one going to be hard to swallow. Not in the sense of, like, I've been anti-TCU. It's just so different from my whole takes coming into this. And I'll admit, I have never in my life been more happy to be wrong about how games were going to go. Because, as I said in previous podcasts, I thought it was going to be Michigan and Georgia pretty easily just making their way into the title game and damn it if I wasn't wrong and damn it if it wasn't fun as hell. So I sat there the whole time. It's going to go We're not big enough that people are going to roast me for my takes yet. But if we were, I would just sit back and be like, dude, I don't care. That was great. I mean, I, you, I could not enjoy being wrong in any greater form. It, it was just awesome to watch. And I think that, there's a few things in my mind that are kind of sitting here going, okay, turn the gears a little bit, maybe go a little galaxy brain on this here. I could see a path for TCU. Um, the first part of this is, it, okay, cool. They, they made it. I didn't give them a shot to make it. Now they're there. So team of destiny, uh, they're already pulling off the unexpected. What, what else can we, Michigan had a, a literal month to prepare for them and didn't do it. Georgia had to prepare for Ohio State uh, more. They they probably spent more time preparing for Michigan because I'm willing to bet that, you know, even though football coaches and staffs will always tell you they prepare for everybody equally, we we both know that's a lot of crap. So I, I'm going to guess that the majority of Georgia staff who weren't assigned to Ohio State were assigned to Michigan. And now they're – I don't want to say they're in scramble mode, but now, you know, it's all of a sudden, okay, game plan is changing. We, we got to take on TCU. We got to figure this out. So I think that'll happen. TCU's only loss this season came against a team whose quarterback got hurt in the first matchup against them. And as I just said, with North Dakota State and South Dakota State, it's really hard to beat the same team twice, especially, you know, Big 12 title game, Yes, there was a lot on the line for TCU. There's also a lot on the line for Kansas State. So 
that loss, especially since it came in overtime, I think kind of came out as more of a net positive for me in favor of TCU rather than like a, a detractor against them. I'm also going to jump to the Georgia side of things and dude, they got pieced up by Ohio state. I mean, CJ Stroud made himself some money in that yep. game. Uh, Marvin Harrison jr. Made himself some money in that game. I'm going to attempt his name, but I'm probably going to screw it up. Mecca Ebukam also made himself some money in that game. There's a lot of people in Ohio State who are going to get a payday off of that game despite the loss. Georgia didn't look all that great, man. I think for what I was expecting out of Georgia, you know, they looked more like the Bulldogs team that almost lost to Missouri than the team that just absolutely laid it on Tennessee. And when they needed to, just laid it on heavy on every team. I mean, they, they took LSU to the woodshed. And we saw an LSU's bowl game. They took Purdue to the woodshed, my lord. Um, but yeah, I thought they would come in and just be that you know big tough, big man on the street, former champion. You know, you come at the king, you best not miss sort of people. And early on in the game, Stetson Bennett looked like, as I jokingly called him earlier, a used car salesman just playing quarterback. It was it was strange, and you know I think that. The idea of Max Duggan, who was a backup to start the year, but is also older and experienced like Stetson Bennett, who's the same age as Lamar Jackson. I saw, I, the, I think, the funniest tweet about Stetson Bennett, um, and I forget, it was in response to someone. It was like, uh, you know, this is, the, this is the worst game Stetson Bennett has played since backing up Matt Stafford. Just as a joke as to how long he's been – at, you know, at Georgia and just how much older he is than the majority of the guys on the field. Um, I mean, yeah. Max Duggan is by far the more dynamic quarterback. I don't think that's even a, in, in question. Which is weird to um, say because he was the backup to start the year. But then you also remember that Stetson was also the backup to start the year last year. Yep. Um, and that, that would be a pretty cool, like, back-to-back story to have maybe alternating backups win. Um Man, I I would love to see TCU win. I'm going to be honest. I feel like the Ohio State game probably woke Georgia up. Not that they were asleep, but, like, I don't know. Georgia's been a juggernaut the past two years. Um, but I think, that, I think that we're seeing a nice little change of pace where, you know, there's an SEC team in the final that isn't unstoppable. Yeah. Right. We've, we've just been, I mean, I feel, it feels like the past decade and a half, well, Bama's in the finals, money's on Bama. Bama's in the finals. Why would I ever vote against them? Right. Um, Yeah. So I really hope TCU wins. (laughs) Um, so the, the line has already gone down a point. It started at minus 13 and a half, and I was tempted to jump on it uh, at that point. But I was sitting there, I was like, eh, you know, I'd rather have two full touchdowns just because the, the hesitant part of my brain still says it's an SEC team against a Big 12 team. Uh, you know, it's, it's a team that's been there before. It's a team that did it. Like, they have the experience. I feel like they could destroy TCU. And honestly, my brain still hasn't totally gotten over the fact that I wasn't giving TCU much of a chance against Michigan. So there, there's some of me that's still kind of like, okay, I need to need to finally kind of get over myself and and buy into what TCU has been selling us all season long. And it's it's just tough. And I don't know if it's you know the way that our brains work because of you know they weren't even close to sniffing the top 25. They weren't even close to sniffing the top of the Big 12 at the start of the season. Like everyone predicted them to be one of the worst teams in the conference. So did they even make a bowl last year? No, I don't believe so. I mean, also like all the factors, like it's a first year head coach. It's a backup quarterback. It's a team who on paper is wildly less talented than Georgia. And speaking of that talent, there's, there's a major X factor for me that anytime I have watched Georgia play, Darnell Washington just looks like, 
what nightmares are made of for opposing players, opposing coaches, anybody who's on the opposite side of things. He got hurt in the semifinal game, which is an absolute bummer for me because if TCU were to win, I, I kind of don't want there to be the asterisks of, you know, well, Washington wasn't, you know, fully healthy. And he's such a major component to their offense. But him and Brock Bowers are, are easily the two most important players on Georgia's offense. Other than the fact that they tried out, tried out some dude named Lad McConkey to go <laughs> next to a guy named Stetson Bennett IV. That doesn't sound like some old Southern white names that I've ever heard. Um, but those two guys are easily the most important. And I think Ohio State, if we were going to say anything about them, is that they were definitely more of an offensive-minded team, not so heavy on the defensive side of things. And they they held Georgia in check. They were not that impressive. And Georgia's defense, by that same token, wasn't that impressive. You know, I think this is the first time that I've really seen them in, in a way exposed, which almost makes me wonder, is this the first time that they've played a team that's really like somewhat balanced on both sides of the field? That I don't know if, you know, maybe you could say Tennessee, uh, but their defense wasn't really great all season. Yeah, their defense was not great. Maybe LSU. I don't, but I mean, LSU also threw some absolute clunkers this year, so it's kind of hard to say. But TCU, they've kind of gotten there by doing it on both ends of the field. And Setson Bennett is wildly more experienced than the JJ McCarthy. So I doubt that Setson Bennett is going to put himself in position to throw two pick sixes. It's obviously a big factor to why TCU won their semifinal game. But with how ridiculous those two semifinal games were, it's really hard not to say that even though the lines already moved down to 12 and a half, and which makes it obvious that TCU is becoming a very, very public play, it's hard not to side with it and say, you know, let's roll with some history here. This this seems like it could genuinely happen. And Despite all of my misgivings towards TCU and all of my hesitation towards it, it still feels like I should be saying, yeah, I think it's going to happen. But in the end, if you put a gun to my head and make me choose, despite everything I'm saying in TCU's favor, I think I'll still take Georgia. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean I'm in the same exact boat. Same, same emotions towards this game. Would love to see TCU win. But it's hard not to to side with the SEC team. Um, and I do have to say, if TCU ends up winning, just the sheer amount of anger in the Big 12, because Texas thought that they would win it before TCU. Um, uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma has been there or sniffed a few times. I mean, well, Oklahoma there. State were both right there last year. Yeah. Um, and of all teams, I, I, I think that regardless of even if TCU gets smacked 40 nothing, which I don't think is going to happen. But um, if that were the case, I still think that this TCU experience and granted the playoffs are about to totally change, but it gives these smaller schools or a lesser tier within this top tier of, football, of college football gives them more of a shot, right? Um, not to sway away from this game, but it gives teams like Tulane a chance. Like, I, I don't see Tulane making a run at the Natty, but... Oh, absolutely not. But these smaller schools or these lesser schools, who's to say that, I don't know, um, an Oregon State, for an example, a good a team that had a good season this year, can't just go on a run or a Washington, right? Or even an Illinois, right? I'm not here to say that that's going to happen, but this TCU team just basically proved that hey, this is possible for the last year of this four team playoff um, that will be next year. So that you got you got to appreciate that. And about time we had something like this happened. I feel like the last time we actually had a, a, uh, a sniff of something close to this was, and this might have even been the first year, the year that Oregon was in the playoff, and I believe Florida State, they were on the opposite yes. sides of the yes. bracket. Yes. That there was like, okay, 
and that like I said, that might have been the first year, but I believe it was the Mariota Ducks, right? And the Winston Knowles. Yeah, and it was just like that could happen, you know. And at that point, yeah. we didn't we weren't used to Bama just obliterating teams. We were just getting used to that. Um the other I, piece to this that that's gotta be mentioned, and I like to jokingly think that this is uh the, the football god's karmic way of rewarding the NCAA for giving us a 12-team playoff rather than a 14 playoff, um, which for all intents and purposes, I don't think we should go past 12. But Agreed. A, a, a conversation for another time. Um, but a, a, even an eight-team playoff, I think, would have been better suited than a 14 playoff. Um, and this is one of those times where I, I do genuinely not complain at all about the NCAA kind of adding more games because it seems like more of a money grab. Um, it also just seems like the right move, but the announcement was made earlier, early ish last year. I now have to say last year since we're in 2023, uh, I gotta get used to that. (laughs) Um, but the announcement was made and at the end of the season, there was a chance that USC was going to, you know, sneak in with the PAC 12 title and they lost to Utah. And as much as that stinks for guys like, you know, D.C. slash P.G. County's own Caleb Williams, who now that I know he's a local boy, I will just be hopping on that train of hoping he does really well in his future. Um, Low-key rooting for him. But if they had gotten in, there's no chance that these the, the semifinal games are this good. Yeah, I, I think that there's a chance Michigan TCU still goes off the way that it does. If you want to get all butterfly effect, I've already said this once today, but Galaxy Brain on it. That game's probably likely to be different. But more than anything, we saw USC's defense against Tulane. That's god awful defense. It, it they just it it's sold separately. It doesn't exist. Whatever phrase you want to use with it, a terrible defense. So in a way the karmic nature of the football gods helped the committee get it right by giving them the window to put Ohio state in. And no matter what you think of it, it's just, they got it right. It was handed to them on the silver platter. They didn't screw it up and they got it right because these two games are far and away the best semifinal matchups we've ever had. And I, I am hopeful that the, the title game lives up to it. I'm hopeful that the title game is just as entertaining, if not even more drunk than the third quarter of TCU Michigan. I would love that. It would be entertaining beyond belief. But even if it's a total dud, this will still be the best uh, playoff that we've had to date, without a doubt. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Um, I believe that game is next Monday. Yeah, I believe so. They usually play it on the Monday night, so it should be. Because now there's no more Monday night football in the NFL, so it's usually college football standalone week or standalone night. Hmm. Which, yeah, now that I think about it, probably the NFL rescheduling probably had to respect that. And a topic for another time when we hear more details about it, because hmm. who the heck knows about it? And honestly grand scheme of it right now still who the heck cares um but I, the line is going down which makes me nervous to bet tcu because again it's becoming you know a very public play but if they win it oh my goodness this that's going to be unreal to watch and i'm going to wrap my end on this you think that the people of texas since it's such a Deep love for the Longhorns. You know, normally when a, when a coach wins a title or a player wins a title, you say, you know, never buy a beer in this town again. Do you think that Sonny Dykes is going to have that, you know, opportunity afforded to him in anywhere outside of Fort Worth? Now, no. If he gets anywhere near the city limits of Austin or, you know, he gets to downtown Dallas or heads over to Houston, they might charge him double. Because he, he did it at TCU and he didn't do it at Texas. I mean, Im- imagine like the the ass backwards sort of pageantry of hatred that would come out 
of Longhorn fans if TCU wins this. I kind of want them to win just to see if there are any stories like that to come out. But, you know, yeah. Ma- Max Duggan wins the title and, and the mayor of Austin bans him from the town. <laughs> you know for a fact that would be his first pit stop. <laughs> I would love it. I mean, the, if that were the case, the absolute pettiness would be off the charts and just utterly fantastic. Like, if Georgia wins, that's great. It, it, Kirby Smart's already gotten to a point where he'll never have to buy a beer around Georgia ever again. That That's all well and good. I want TCU to win this just because of the sheer absurdity that is the people of Texas, that is the fandom of the University of Texas, and just to see their reactions to seeing not just Oklahoma, who is their blood rival, win. They're a different state. But see an in-state team win it before you do. I just love to soak in the feelings that those people would have because if there's a fan base that's ever going to act irrationally about somebody else <laughs> within their own state winning unless it's Alabama and Auburn oh baby Texas seeing any other university in the state of Texas win a national title they would lose it and I'm here for it yeah come on Quinn Ewers on that note, <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Um, thanks for joining us for the first episode of 2023, guys. We are now in to the calendar year two of doing this, technically calendar year three of doing this. But it we started in 2021, but now we're in 2023. But Chris was giving me a, a funky look. But on that note, again, for anyone who listens to us, thanks for sticking with us on the journey. Or if you're new to us, thanks for hopping aboard. And we will see you guys next week.